You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Our society doesn't do a good job understanding their need for rest and margin. In our efforts to be as effective and efficient as possible, we end up effectively and efficiently leaving rest and margin out of our lives. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on the subject of margin in many areas of our lives, finances, health, relationships, and more. With some help and perspective from C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, we'll take this journey together and hopefully learn better how to put some margin into our own lives. You know, if you ask the average person if they feel they have margin in their lives, I think you might find a, a spectrum of answers. You may find somebody asking, well, what is margin? Well, I don't really know. Can you give me a definition of margin? If you ask that question and say, hey, do you have margin in your life? They may just laugh at you. And uh, in the, the words of, of my mom, who's, whose birthday it would have been today, um, she always used to say, you got any more good jokes? Um, and I think some of us might say that if we think about what margin is. Dr. Richard Swenson said this. He said, progress has given us unprecedented affluence, education, technology, and entertainment. We have comforts and conveniences other eras could only dream about, and yet somehow we're not flourishing under the gifts of modernity as one would expect. He goes on to say this. He says, how can the salesman feel so stressed when the car's loaded with extras? when the paycheck's bigger than ever and vacation lasts four weeks a year? How is it possible that the homemaker is still tired despite the help of the washing machine, the clothes dryer, dishwasher, and vacuum cleaner? If we're so prosperous, why are the therapist's office so full? If we have 10 times more material abundance than our ancestors, why are we not 10 times more content and fulfilled? I think the answer is that we have a problem in our culture, and I would may go so far as to say in our world with the idea of margin. In the most basic sense, margin simply space. The dictionary defines margin as, as a border or an edge, a limit to something. Margin means leaving room for things, and sadly, most of us have given ourselves very little room for much of anything in our lives. We're overspent, we're overscheduled, we're overworked, we're underslept, we're undernourished, and we're underrested. And we haven't given ourselves space for much of anything. And while we might not think that there are repercussions for this, they are, and we've somehow convinced ourselves that marginless living is okay and that it's just for a season. And we say, okay, well, you know, this will soon be over. It's temporary. It's just a moment. But it never ends, does it? We keep looking for that elusive end somewhere in the future. And yet, every time we think we're getting there, it keeps getting pushed back just a little bit further. Here's the thing. No one else is going to recommend you create margin for yourself especially, especially if it means that they're going to lose something in the process. If, if it means sacrifice for someone, they're never going to suggest margin for you. They may say, hey, it's good for me, but 
God forbid, any of us should lose something in the process. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be jumping into this series on margin, looking at it in our own lives. And, you know, in advance, I say this sometimes when we get into some heavier topics, I'm warning everyone that at some point or another, you'll probably be offended uh, during, during this series. I'm probably offending myself during this series. Um, but let me also say that um, I'm never preaching at you. Um, I'm preaching with you. Um, because I consider myself a fellow sojourner in this journey with you. That I, although God's shown me a whole lot over the last few years in this area of margin, I would, I'm far from calling myself an expert. And um, I can share uh, and will share about some of the successes, but I assure you uh, that there are as many, if not more, failures along the way, especially in this area of margins. So we're all in this together in the immortal words of High School Musical, um, and we uh, will journey together through this, looking at it, stepping on each other's toes if we need to, um, but hopefully in the end, uh, it'll be a beneficial, transformative uh, look for us together. It was said by French poet Charles Baudelaire and summarized in the movie The Usual Suspects by a character named Verbal Kint that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. In 1942, during the Second World War, C.S. Lewis published a series of letters which originally had appeared in an Anglican periodical called The Guardian. Those letters were eventually published in book form and we know it as the Screwtape Letters. It became one of Lewis's most popular books, and if you've read it before, you're familiar with it. If you haven't, then I'll just tell you that it, it reveals the correspondence between a demon and his uncle, showing the uncle's response, so we only see the one side of it as he answers the questions of his nephew's inquiries and as they together vie for the soul of a young man. Now many or most of us think that marginless living only affects us. It actually impacts deeply all of us. And understanding just how deeply it impacts us, I think is essential for us to see our need to improve our marginless lives. So we're going to uh, approach this from a, a more modern perspective. If you're familiar with the mashup, you know it's kind of taking two concepts, putting them together. And so I, I was going to call this margin mashup because um, we're going to look at this idea of margin through the lens of C.S. Lewis uh, and, and uh, the So... I want to make sure, though, that we understand this and we don't go overboard because inevitably when you use analogies, it breaks down at some point, right? So, so let me say that um, I'm not telling you that if you don't create margin in your life, you're going straight to hell, okay? So please don't hear that. Um, but what I am saying is that marginless living is the devil's playground, that if we don't create margin in our lives, if we don't find space in our lives for the things that are most important, then we give to the enemy who wants to have a field day with our marginless living. And so uh, all that 
being said, looking at what C.S. Lewis said in the screw tape letters, this was one of the quotes that the uncle wrote to his nephew. He said, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And so as we walk through this, we're going to look again through C.S. Lewis's thoughts, always remembering that um, it was fiction. It was a work of fiction that C.S. Lewis did, kind of thinking what would it be like for there to be a conversation between two demons. Now, you don't have to feel that you need to read the book. I'm an avid reader, and I was able to read the book in a day, so it's not an overly complicated book. But don't feel like, oh gosh, he's going into the series. I haven't read the I'm going to clueless unnecessary Um, but uh, if you want to uh, you can go and read it but remember that it was speculative and fictional as you walk through it marginless living as i said is the devil's playground we live marginless lives we can easily be distracted from who we are why we're here and what god is calling us to do you know We have to remember that we don't get here overnight. Like Lewis said in that quote, quote, it's a gradual process. You know, most of us, when we get to a a place in our lives where we become more self-aware, we look at it and we say, you know what, I I don't know how I got here. And, And it didn't just, it wasn't that like we just woke up and there we were. It was a process. And so even as we consider this idea of marginless living and how to put margin back in our lives again, we need to remember that we're not going to wake up tomorrow morning after saying today, hey, I want to live a margin-filled life and we're going to be like knocking it out of the park tomorrow. It's just not that simple. And so give yourself grace in that process. I'd suggest to you, to all of us together, that the number one way that we've gotten to the place of marginless living is by rejecting one of the things that God created for us. In the created order of things, and it's called Sabbath. Sabbath just simply means rest. And within the Ten Commandments, we see that one of God's commands to His people was to practice Sabbath. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Starting in verse 12, I'm reading in the New International Version. That's what will be up on the screen as well. So know if you have a different translation. Um, I don't know if any of us have paper Bibles. Most of us use our devices, so that's easy to change translations. But reading in verse 12 and following, this is what it says. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughters, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you up out You out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I mentioned that in the creative, the created order of things, God showed us 
that there was a need for rest. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we read this. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did God rest because he needed it? Was he like tired out? Hey, six days I've been struggling and striving to make this whole thing come together. So let me put my head down and rest. I don't think so. God didn't rest for his sake. He rested for our sake. To show us that there was need to stop to pause, to create margin in our lives. Our first call for margin in our own lives is the need to find and make space for God in our own lives. You know, the words of the Ten Commandments here are to observe the Sabbath. Other translations may use different words. They say guard or protect or to watch over it. We don't always use that word observe. In some ways, it feels a little bit of an antiquated word to use in that context. So I think guarding or protecting or watching over may be a better way to look at it. But as we enter into this, we need to look at margin and Sabbath as something that we need to protect fiercely. You know, if we are all honest, there are things in our lives that we will fiercely protect whether it's our children, our family, certain things. We, and we know what those are. And I'm saying that we need to fiercely protect the Sabbath in our own lives. Putting space around it and making sure that, that we heed the word of the Lord. As, as you read through, as one reads through the screw tape letters and, and sees this correspondence, we may think that Lewis's portrayal of, of the ways that we're attacked by, by the enemy seem far-fetched. We may say, oh no, that's, that's not really the case. But when we consider in our own lives how hard it is for us to find margin in our lives, then we may start to think again. <laughs> because I think when, if, if we're living marginless lives, then when we look at our lives and we say, how on earth can I create space for God? Can I create space for the things that are most important? I think we can um, begin to see just how hard that is. And so we need to protect the Sabbath. No one else is going to do this for us. Society's not going to do it. Your job's not going to do it. Your neighbors aren't going to do it. Your friends and even your family will push against you for that. They'll say, no, 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 I want, I want, I want. And we have to fiercely protect that and say, no. Okay, so we fiercely protect it. That's easier said than done. How do we do that? How do we create space for God in our own lives? How do we create margin in our lives? In his book, Space to Breathe Again, author Tommy Thompson writes this. He says, nothing will change our lives more fundamentally than growing deeper in love with Christ. And so the way for us to start finding margin in our lives is to start by making space for God. Whether that means five minutes, whether it means 10 minutes, 
Whatever it is, we've got to start somewhere. And we've got to start by giving him time. You know, if, if there's a breakdown in a relationship in our lives, the answer uh, isn't to keep staying away from it, right? If there's a breakdown in a relationship in our lives, the way to foster that relationship is to spend more time investing in it. And that's what we need to do. If we're not leaving space for God in our lives, the one who called us into rest, how will we leave space for others in our lives? If we can't see that it's important for us to have space for God, why on earth would we think we need to have space for anybody else in our lives? I've heard it said multiple times that you can tell a lot about a person by looking at two things, their calendars and their checkbooks or their bank accounts because I don't know. Apparently I'm antiquated too because I don't use check. I I still use checkbooks, I mean. Um, But you can tell a lot about where a person's priorities are by where they're spending their time and where they're spending their money. In other words, what we value can be seen in those areas. So we need to make sure that we're looking and finding space and margin in our own lives. And then the next thing that we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 5 in this command from God is that we're not just supposed to look out for ourselves and our own rest, but we're also supposed to be looking out for the rest, the Sabbath, and the margin of others. If we make it a priority in our own lives, then we'll want to make it a priority in the lives of the people around us. And if we find ourselves constantly throwing margin by the wayside, we will expect that everyone will do the same for us, especially if we're leading others. So let me break it down because, you know, I'm going to put it in as layman's terms as I possibly can. If you suck at Sabbathing and finding margin, you're going to suck at giving it to everyone else. I mean, that's it. Like, if I'm not valuing it in my own life, why on earth will I value it in yours? And if I'm leading others in my life, then I'm going to be leading them far away from margin, a, a life of margin. I'm going to be leading them towards the same marginless living that's happening in my own life. If we don't take control of the margin in our lives, if we don't find space space for Sabbath rest, then we will be controlled. And I think we see this again here when God gives them the command and He reminds them of where they came from. That the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, that they had no rest They were working from sunup to sundown. They didn't get a Sabbath break. They probably barely got coffee breaks. They were working and working and working, and God says to them, remember from where you've come. Remember you had no rest. Say, if we don't remember what marginless living looks like, and we think that by being in control of our lives and saying, nobody can tell me what to do, whatever, then we're being controlled by our marginless lives. That we're saying we're in control, but we're slaves. And we're slaves to that marginless living. 
It's ironic to me that, that the very thing that God saves us from is the thing that we go back to. And I mean, that's the story of the Old Testament as we read through it. We see God saving his people constantly and them continuing to go back to the same stuff over and over again. And I think that wasn't just the Old Testament story or the New Testament story, it's our story as well. That God saves us from things that we keep wanting to go back to. He saves us from marginless living and we think in our freedom that we can go back to marginless living because I chose to do it. And yet when we do that, we're enslaving ourselves. If we don't take control and create margin in our lives, our marginless lives will control us. So a few questions for us. Two are scalable questions, and I don't want this to be just like, hey, answer this. If you need to take a, screen, a, sh- a picture of the screen, by all means, do it. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at creating margin in your life? Look, no shame here. Don't feel like, you know, guilty about it. Like, just be honest about it. Because my hope is that we'll put some of these questions on when we get to the end of this series. And hopefully we'll see a little bit, even if it's just like a little tick mark of movement for us. So how good are you at creating margin in your own lives? And then second is this, how good are you at respecting margin in someone else's life? And then finally, in what area of your life do you lack margin the most? And we're going to be over the next few weeks looking at some specific areas. Some of us might feel like, hey, I, you know, I do really well in this area in my life and margin, but um, there's other, other areas of my life that I'm not good at at all. You know, maybe physically I do things well and I'm, I feel like I've got that down, but financially, no. You know, I'm not doing well at all. So be honest. Because I think the more honest we are before the Lord with this stuff, the more opportunity he has to be able to change and transform us to who he's calling us to be. So put these questions down as we go through this series too. Um, with you to consider these. To move towards or move away from marginless living and finding margin in your own life. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the commands that you give us. And Father, I don't know about everyone else here, but I don't like to be told what to do. (laughs) And it's hard because it always feels like a, a threat to me. And yet, God, the the more I live, the more I I see your commands to me, to us, the more I realize that they're not there to shut me down, but they're there for me to live a life of abundance and flourishing that you call me to. And when I live according to what you command, then that's what can happen. And so, Father, on this journey, I pray that you would stretch us, you would change us, that, God, you would get a hold of our hearts. And, Father, give, let, may we give ourselves, may we give others grace in the midst of this. May we know that the work that you do uh, is a progressive work that happens over time. May we trust you in that. 
Trust your goodness. Trust your love. Trust your grace. And God, may we begin to see those things in our own lives as we try to find margin and space for ourselves and the people around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you among the marginless? How does margin play out in your own life? We hope you'll consider what you heard today and join us each week during this series. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.